The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2016 Twin Cities Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. I have 10 minutes on the Bible, 10 minutes of my personal thoughts, uh, 10 minutes of question and answer, and that, that's all we're, all we're doing tonight, so you can stay with me. Um, why don't you guys open up to Matthew 6, 19. Can I get someone to read 19 through 24? And before we start, I'll pray for us. Um, God, thanks for TCP. Thanks for all these students. I'm, I'm really excited to um, both read their, their applications, hear their heart, um, hear some of their testimonies of, of how they've come to know you. And we want this time to be an equipping time this, this summer and a, and a practical time where we're, we're learning and, and growing together. I'm thankful for uh, James and Betsy and they're their just loving our church through uh, being small group leaders and through eldering and just how they've fought to establish um, community and, and fight for it and confess sin and keep short accounts. And I pray we would be like that as a um, TCP project this summer. And uh, I pray tonight as we talk about finances, um, we know that you are in control of all of the world's resources, and you've given us um, the ability to, to steward part of those. So help us be good and wise stewards, and I pray we would um, learn some, some new things today and, and be challenged, and um, even as we talk about the different levels of giving, I, I pray that we could all grow in our ability to, to steward our, our gifts and our treasures and our time and our talents so help us towards that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, how about a volunteer? Matthew six nineteen. You got it. Boom. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Nice. So, here's just a couple of general thoughts from there. I think we're all drawn to treasures on earth. We're all thinking about the next something. For me, I really like technology. I'm always thinking about the next iPhone. I'm that guy. Every couple years when they come out, I'm reading all the reviews, getting excited, getting ready to sell my phone on Craigslist and buy a new one. That's me. I, I kind of live for the, the latest and greatest for technology. But yet, we're reminded here that the things of this earth are temporary. Moth and rust destroy. My son threw, threw my, my old iPhone in the toilet and it was, it was, it was gone, it was shattered. Um, so I just got a used car. We used to be a, a one-car family. Um, I used to ride my bike or take the bus um, to where I work. And uh, Paul Poteet, who works on staff, he's got a 1997 Explorer. It's a beast, it's a V8, it's got a hitch, 178,000 miles. But he sold it to me for 500 bucks. And it's rusting. And in probably a few years, the bottom's gonna rust out and the seat's gonna probably fall through the bottom of the car. <laughs> and, you know, we can enjoy the things on earth. Like I can, to God's glory, enjoy technology or an iPhone or rev in my V8 Ford Explorer. Um, but we, we remember that we don't, we don't have to live for this life in, in a sense, but we can live for the life to come. So last weekend, my, my grandpa, he passed away and he's a very, very accomplished man. Um, went to the U of M, went to Madison, went to Princeton, two master's degrees, um, ran several companies, a very distinguished man. And, you know, in some ways, you know, the, the pinnacle of, of living for the things of the earth. And he kind of had anything he wanted, and that was great. I was kind of thinking on the way home, like reading his obituary and just thinking about what I want my obituary to say. I love my grandpa and think the world of him. But I, I think like when I think about what when people when I die or when you guys die, think about it right now, close your eyes. When you guys die and someone's reading your obituary, what what do you want to have on there? Do you want it to be listing your, your school, your major, your work accomplishments, 
all of the degrees you've you've racked up, um, you know your your wealth or the, the legacy you've left because of that. You know, what are the things that you want to leave as a legacy? So just think about it for a few seconds. Okay, you can open your eyes. When I started thinking about it, this is how I want mine. This is the start of mine. I'm still kind of in in process. I'm, I'm writing my obituary before I die. Um, Nick Stromwall, uh, faithful, uh, something like faithful lover of Christ, poured himself out to his wife, to his family, to his friends, to his neighbors, um, was generous in all that he had. I think that would be really satisfying if that, if that was what I left. And I started thinking about it, and really, at the end of the day, what are the three things that, that last forever? What do you guys think? My car? Nope. It's rusting through. Might make it another year or two. I'll give you one. Word of God lasts forever. What are, what are two other things? Our relationship with God, I feel like, does. Yeah. Relationship with God? Yeah. Like that? What else do you guys think? Us. Our souls. Yeah, souls of men. Beautiful. I think those are the things that I want to invest in. Word of God, souls of men. Um, so I think we can uh, lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where there's eternal rewards. First uh, Timothy, you guys don't have to turn here. First Timothy 6.17, if you want to write it down. Uh, Timothy says, As for the rich of this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So we can be focused on our internship tracks, our our career path, how how good of a perception we're making with our with our bosses or our uh, nanny families or um, the soccer clubs we are employed at or whatever the case may be. We can live for that. And let me tell you, just stepping back, I think Christians should be the best employees a company has. So just parenthesis, we'll come back there. Um, we can live for those things, or we can live for treasures in heaven where there's eternal rewards. And, you know, I think it's really true. Uh, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust, dis- where moth and rust not, not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when we think about TCP this, this summer, we think about our lives as Christians. When we think about being laborers, right now we might be laboring in the context of the college campus, but either very soon or in a year or two, you guys are going to be changing from laboring off the campus and in the lost world, in the workplace, in the neighborhood. And where your heart is, that's where your where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be also. So if you're if you're treasuring um, the promotion, if you're treasuring the the newest iPhone, the next car, the whatever it may be, I, that's that's where your your heart's going to follow that. But if you're treasuring Christ, if you're if you're faithfully walking with the Lord. That's going to be really evident in all that you are um, as an employee, as a, as a believer, um, as a friend, as a spouse, maybe someday. Um, turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 14. Can I get someone to read uh, 14 through... Uh, 21, and then someone to read 22 through 30. I'll do the first one. 14 through 21. Brian, you got me? Uh, 22 through 30. 22 through 30. 30. Matthew 25. Okay. Again, it will be like the man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Thanks. Go ahead. Keep on. 
And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the other talents, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I had not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to one who had ten talents. And for everyone who has, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing. So here, I think talent just represents we're we're entrusted as stewards, or God gives us time, God gives us resources, God gives us money. So I think the, the most was 500 some and the least was zero. So we're all coming into this room with very differing amounts of today being entrusted to lots of different amounts. So some he gives five, some two, some one, according to his ability. And what happens with the, the, the servant who had five talents? He went at once, this is verse 16, and traded them and made five talents more. So in a sense, he, he stewarded what he was given and acted in faith to, to increase what, what God gave him. Same thing with the two. He, he made two talents more. But the one who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money because he was full of fear and wasn't sure what to do and knew that if he lost it, his, his master might, might be a, get mad at him. And the master came back and um, to the one he gave five and the one he, he gave two, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. But how did he react towards the one who to hit in the field? What, what did he do? He rebuked him, yeah. Why do you think that is? He wasted it. Wasted it, yeah. At the very least, he could have put it in the bank and made you know 1% interest or whatever it is right now. But instead of acting out of faith, he acted out of fear. And I think the, the lesson of the story is not, you know, go try to invest in a bunch of stocks and take your five shares and make five more. You know, maybe that's a, an application if you're you know, knowledgeable about the stock market. But I think what it's really saying is when God gives you something, he's expecting you to, to be a servant of it. So guess what, guys? You're all in the 1% of the world. You're all going to get a college degree. Do you realize what that means for your life, the opportunity that you guys have? Just think about the, the thousands of talents that you've been given just because of the education or the people that sacrificed to be able to let you go to school um, or the government who gave you lots of loans to be able to do it. Regardless of what it is, we've been given so much. And to show you guys that, there's this website called the Global Rich List. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. You, you can kind of you know, think about where you set in like your wealth compared to the rest of the world. So let's just go uh, USA dollar and let's just say you know we work at um, the local um, campus job, maybe they pay generous, maybe they give you $10 an hour. Let's say you work there, let's just say 20, 20, 20 hours a week or so throughout the school year, um, you know, before taxes, let's say you make about $10,000 in your, your course of your $10 hour job. $10,000, um, that's not a lot, you know, for, for a college level person or a college graduate, but where do you guys think $10,000 a year stacks up when you compare it to the, the, the entire world. Check it out. At $10,000, you are in the top 16% of the world in terms of wealth. And that makes you the 960 millionth richest person on earth by income. Okay, let's say that you're blessed and you, uh, you get a starting teacher salary um, I think it's around $35,000, not including benefits. So let's just say you graduate teacher salary. Look what just happened. You went from the 16th percentile to the top 1%, 0.81. Okay, let's say that you're uh, 
you're you're really doing well, and you're you're making fifty thousand. Top point three one percent richest person in the world. Like that is extraordinary when you kind of put it in perspective. We are so rich. We've been given so much, and I think, especially as believers, I think we're called to a higher um, uh, accountability for for how we manage our time, how we manage our resources. Do we choose to, you know, play video games or zone out on Pinterest for three hours a night, or do you choose to to give your time to to serve other people, or, you know get an extra job and work hard to pay off your student loans, or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, not saying that zoning out on Pinterest or playing video games, I think they have their place, um, but I think in, in moderation. There's this book called The Treasure Principle, uh, Randy Alcorn. Man, this guy is he's legit. He, uh, he's been a, a very uh, vocal pro-life advocate, so much so that he um, kind of did like a march or stood out in front of an abortion clinic and ended up getting arrested. I think it happened several times. So it happened so many times that um, all of all of his like fees and lawyer bills and whatever they started garnishing his wages, which means if he worked at a job before he'd get a paycheck, they would they would take away both most of his money to, to pay for these things, and lost a lawsuit or or something happened. But the money that he would have been given away would have gone to to fund more abortions. So instead of like continuing to work a job, he works a job where he gets paid one dollar a year and instead of him getting all the money he just uh, his ministry pays his wife and that's that's how they, they they got around it but he i think he has a really good grasp on um on the treasure principle so i highly recommend the book i'm going to give you the six nuggets um the first one is god owns everything i'm his money manager so the, the premise of that is we're the managers of the assets god has entrusted not given to us, but he's entrusted it to us. We're the managers of everything, the assets God has entrusted, not given to us. I think that idea, like, I don't go to work to, to, to earn money, but I go to work to, to manage what, what God's given to me. That, that whole idea of everything we've been given is God has, has entrusted to us. That really changes our perception of how we think about the things we own. My heart always goes where I put God's money. My heart always goes where I put God's money. So just watch what happens when you reallocate your money from temporal things to eternal things. And I think that's a challenge to you guys. You know, we're going to be talking about in our workshop time today, you know, my challenge to you guys is to take the month of July and write down every single penny that you guys spent. So... Uh, you could do it in June if you want to, or you could start fresh in July. You could start June 15th and go to July 15th. That would, that would be okay. But I want you to take a one-month time. This is a big challenge coming out of the talk today. Take one month time and write down every single dollar that you spent. So whether it's cash, whether it's you swipe a check card, whether it's um, your hidden stash of cash in your apartment that you're using to spend for things, whatever you spend money on, even if it's like an automated bill that you're paying your credit card on or your uh, cell phone, I want you guys to keep track of it. Um, and I want you to see, as we, we learn more about um, stewarding God's money, what happens as you reallocate your money from temporary things to eternal. Heaven, number three, heaven, not earth, is my home. We're citizens of a better country, a heavenly one. Check out Hebrews eleven sixteen later. Hebrews eleven sixteen. So it changes our perception if you think about you know living for for this this life or or the life to come. And along with that, number four, I should live not for the dot, but for the line. So the dot is like present life here on earth, but the line is the is eternity, the line that goes on forever, which is eternity in heaven. So my grandpa, he he was dialysis dependent, which means his liver didn't process the, the toxins in his body. So if he didn't go to dialysis, he would pass away. And that's that's what he ended up choosing choosing to do. He's ninety-four and Dialysis is miserable, and it's really hard. And when you think, I got to talk to him a couple weeks before he died and just got to extend the, this offer of, of hope of heaven, the hope of Christ, the hope to come. And that's why as Christians in the workplace and in the neighborhood, that's what we should be extending. We should be hope-filled people extending the hope of Christ. 
and you connect with people over their pain. My grandpa was in lots of pain, but yet when you offer something greater, the hope of heaven, there's something really attractive about that. Um, number five, giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and exalts him. So when you start giving, you're not going to be stuck on the, the U.S. bandwagon of upgrade more, better, you know, the next thing. Number six, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. I think God gives us more money than we need so we can give generously. You guys are college graduates or about to be. What you're, what you're going to earn, even if it's 30 or 40 or 50 or $10,000, whatever it may be, I think God gives us more money than we need so we can give generously. Questions on that at all? Cool. Check out that book. It's called um, The Treasure Principle. Uh, in the Bible, the Bible references money over 800 times. Um, you can Google it and find it. So I think there's lots, the Bible has a lot to say about money. 800 different references. Okay, here's a couple of financial statistics. I'm going to change gears a little bit. Um, when you think about money and money problems, um, so we have a couple engaged couples in the, in the house. Marital problems. 37%, the highest rate of marital problems, derive from financial situations or difficulties. 37%. So not everyone in here is going to get married. A lot of us um, are or will. And uh, the number one issue that surrounds marriage, I think the number one issue that surrounds friends and relationships as well is money. Uh, cash flow. 70% of all consumers live paycheck to paycheck, meaning they run out of money before the end of the month. Savings. Um, the average family or, or family unit would have to use a credit card to pay for a um, $1,500 unexpected expense, like a home, a home, something in your home breaks or your, your car breaks down. Most people don't have the savings to pay for that. Nearly half of all Americans have less than $10,000 saved for their retirement. So all these things are saying money's a pretty big deal. Um, in general, people aren't very good stewards of their money. And uh, we're going to watch a little video clip. I think this is one of the reasons people are are not very good stewards. <laughs> Maybe you guys have seen this. This is a Saturday Night Live. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. It's like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? Maybe I can help. We sure could use it. <laughs> We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. <laughs> Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. <laughs> Let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. Here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. <laughs> truth to it. Um, 
I, I think people get in trouble with credit cards. I think credit cards can also be a really awesome tool to use too. Um, but if you follow, follow the principle, don't buy stuff you can't afford. If you don't got money in your checking account, don't use your credit card. It's kind of kind of that simple. I think there's lots of good reward programs that credit cards have. I think in general, whenever you're giving to the church or you're supporting someone, use your check, use use it, use a checkbook or e-check because you're. You're wasting resources because usually it's three to five percent like credit card fees. So if you go out to dinner, let the business pay that three to five percent and, and charge it on your card. But if you're giving to the church, I think you should use um, electronic check. Um, have you guys seen that clip before? No. Okay. Okay. So here's a general financial principle: live on eighty percent of your income. Live on eighty percent of your income. Save ten percent and give 10% away. So live on 80, save 10, give 10 away. I think that's a great starting place. And I think the, the tithe uh, in, the, in the Old Testament was one-tenth or a tenth of your income. I really don't think that that's like, that's the bar. Like if you're, if you're tithing or giving 10%, you've reached the bar. I think that's a starting place. It's kind of like, that's when you put the training wheels on at 10%. You start taking the training wheels off, as you increase. Um, the guy who wrote the treasure principle, every year, his family, they try to give 1% more each year of their life. So, you know, when you guys start off working your job, let's say it's $30,000, like figure out for yourself or for your family, what what's, what's the magic number? How much do you need to live on? And as you work hard and get promotions, as I think you should, like figure out your number and don't, don't try to, every new promotion you get increases the value of your car or a bigger house or a bigger dad. Like set, set what you need to live off of and, and live off of that and, and be generous with the rest. I think if you're earning money, whatever that earning money is, whether it's working at McDonald's or Starbucks or you're getting paid to do an internship, I think you should work off of giving, giving what you earn. Now, if you're not working at all and you're just living off of loan money, I don't think you should be... Uh, tithing or, or giving off of loan money. I think loan money is invested money for your schooling. I don't think you should be giving off of that. But if you make um, $100 a month through babysitting, I think you should give or tithe off of that. I think any money that you're, you're making is money you should be giving off of. Um, I think sometimes categories are, are helpful. So you can kind of either on the if uh, if you look under Q&A time, if you got some room there or on the back of the one of the sheets, there's seven levels of giving, I think. So level one is on the left side. Level one is not giving at all. And no matter which level you are, it's okay. Like, there's no, there's no judgment. Um, I think an encouragement would be think about where you are now, so take an inventory of where you're at, and think how could God grow in your heart more generosity to, to move up a level or two. So level one is not giving at all. Level two is giving one or two times a year. So not giving at all, one or two times a year. Level three is occasional giving. So that would be like every once in a while, offering plates going by, you, you put some money in. Level four is regular giving. So you've got something maybe automatic, um, set up, you're kind of giving on a regular basis. Level five giving is giving more than 5% of your AGI, that's your adjusted gross income. Um, who's who's a who's financial in the room that can explain what AGI is? Adjusted gross income. So yeah. pretty much <clears throat> at a certain level you've taken out like certain deductions, so certain amounts of money, right? Taking it down to a certain level. And whatever those costs fall above the line are maybe essential or things to live. And so like adjusted gross income. Out of the money you have access or stuff that you spend. Sure. Good. Uh, level six giving would be uh, tithing 10% of your AGI. And level seven would be generous giving. So, not giving at all, all the way up to generous giving. So, I think everyone in the room is going to fall into get two categories of, of financial prowess. Either you're going to be a spender or a saver. And um, it doesn't really matter which which category you fall more into, but I think bringing into the light kind of where you default. So a spender would be um, someone that's really free with their money. They're going out to eat a lot. They're giving a lot away. They might not have a really good 
handle on, on where they're at. And there's a, there's a danger there, being in a spender. Uh, the other side is a saver. They're kind of the, the penny pincher. They're always looking for the deal, always using coupons. Maybe they keep track of their, their finances really good, but they're not very generous because they're kind of holding on to it so much. So think about which, which you are more of. Um, okay, this is going to be a little practical section now. Um, I think for you guys to develop great habits now, we're going to talk a lot about in the workshop being uh, doing your first budget. And I think when people hear the word budget, they might think a lot of different things. They might think like, oh, constrictive, or ooh, I don't like budgets, or oh, it feels so hard to, to stay in, in a budget. But the way I think about budgeting, the way Katie and I think about it is think about it more in terms of penciling something in versus making it like in pen. And I think when you begin to budget, you're going to feel more free to spend the money and enjoy the creation God's giving you versus the feeling the guilt of, ooh, should I have just spent that money? Should I have gone to Chipotle for the third time this week? Um, should I have bought that red box, Blu-ray? Um, should I have gotten the extra large shake? Whatever it may be. Versus if you budget and you set aside a certain amount of money for, for going out to eat, and you're, you're living within that budget, you're going to feel free to enjoy Chipotle three times this week because you've budgeted money for it. So that's just a little analogy. Um, you need to know, you need to have a plan how to spend your money. So write that down. You have to plan how to spend your money. You have to plan how to spend your money. So in order to make a plan, you need to know what you have first. And it's actually freeing to know how to spend your money, and it's a bummer to have to feel confined in how to spend your money. So, we are going to do a couple exercises. The first is, if you guys turn to your, your packet, the first thing I think you guys should do, we're going to take some workshop time and work on this and the next page. This is just a net worth calculator. And all this does is you basically add up everything you have. So, everything from cash in your wallet, checking account, maybe you guys have other types of savings accounts. If you own a car, your car's worth something. Um, if you go to KBB, KellyBlueBook.com, put in your, your year of your car and your type, it'll tell you how much it's worth. Private party. Um, so you might have a $2,000 you don't know about. Um, investments, maybe your parents have started some type of investment for you or you work at a job where they offer that. So basically in the left, you're going to add up everything you own. Those are called assets. And on the right is everything you owe or liabilities. So right now... Uh, what's your balance of your credit card right now, today? So Doesn't matter, like. <laughs> what? So what? Go ahead. I think this is going to be so horrifying. Oh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, the liabilities, there's, there's probably going to be a lot of these because a lot of us have student debt. So, right now, your credit card, or if you have multiple credit cards, pull up your phone, look at your statement, see where you're at. It's okay. Um, I put down four different student loan categories because. Um, Tragically, I think a lot of us graduate college and we don't actually know how much student loan debt we have. And the second practical thing I'm gonna encourage you guys to is get a handle on where your financial life is at, even going to your financial counselor or your school to really understand how much student loans you've taken out or where you're at. Write all those down. Maybe you owe something on your car. Maybe you bought a phone and you're banking payments on it. That'd be another example of something that you have as a liability. Then you're gonna add up Everything you own, your assets, subtract your liabilities, and you're gonna have an overall total. For most of us, it's probably gonna be negative. And that's okay, because student loan debt is good debt to have. If you own a house, that's, in a sense, a good debt to have. It is a, it is a liability, it is something you owe, but it is something to do. Okay, once you're done with that, turn over and look at the, the budget page. Now there's an advanced budget or an easy budget. If you've never budgeted before, just go to the easy budget. It's way easier. And this is just going to be an example. Um, after, after July, when you've tracked all your, all your amounts that you spend in these categories, it's going to get, really help you understand how much you're giving to charity, how much you're giving to savings, what are your housing expenses, what are utilities, how much you're spending on food, clothing, transportation, personal. So right now, if you, if you kind of have an estimate, go ahead and pencil in an estimate on how much you think you're spending on these categories. So use the simple one, use the more advanced one, it doesn't really matter. So we're going to have 10 minutes right now just for you guys to work on this. If you guys have questions, raise your hand. I'd love to help you. This is going to be private. You don't have to share any of this with anyone if you don't want to. If you want to share it with people, you can. 
Um, it's, it's completely up to you. Yeah. Month, monthly. Yep. The net worth calculator is like current snapshot of your life right now, but the budget is monthly. How's everybody doing? Is this helpful? How many of you guys have never made a budget before? Be honest. Never made a budget. How many of you guys have a budget currently, but haven't really looked at it in a while? <laughs> that was me. Uh, I was like, uh, I grew up, my mom is in like financial planning, but never really got like a ton of education. Like even simply sitting, someone sitting down next to me and being like, okay, hey, for the next month, I want you to get out a piece of paper. You can use an app. Um, what's the one you use called? Receipt. Pops up, you get like a plus button, add a transaction, you can add a little tag, and that's when you hit So there's every time you That's a great one. I'm gonna show you one that I use. It's called YNAB. You need a budget. Um, we're gonna watch a little video about it. I'm not a spokesperson for them, I don't make any money. I just think it's a great tool. Um, if you're a pen and paper person, like just a notebook. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, but for one month, pick your month. So once that group leaders talk about that in your group, what are you guys gonna do together? Are you gonna backdate and start June 1st and go through the end of June? Are you gonna start it up July 1st? Um, decide together. Um, but I was the, the person that er, early in uh, marriage and even in college, I would be the guy that checked my TCF bank account. Okay, I've got $100, that means I can spend this and this. But I wouldn't be thinking about rent due in two weeks. I wouldn't be thinking about the, the once a year car payments or whatever, whatever it may be. I, I wasn't thinking for any of those expenses. So I'd get all freaked out because I had these unplanned expenses, even though they happen every six months or every year. And uh, I would overdraft, and I, I overdrafted a lot. Um, until I started using one So you check your account balance. You think through the bills that are due soon and match them up to Thursday's paycheck. Feels a little tight, but whatever, it'll be fine. But then a few curveballs got you off guard. How could you have ever prepared for this? Now you're really starting to sweat. But what happens if you have a medical emergency or other crisis? Well, guess what? You need a budget. Yeah, you know that. Everyone knows that. Maybe you even tried it before. Freezing the credit cards, penny pinching, the envelope system, taking weeks to tag and categorize 12 months of transaction history. 10 points for being thorough, but did it change anything? An effective budget is about the present and the future, not the past. You need a budget, or YNAB for busy people, is an entirely new way to approach this very old problem. And it works. It all boils down to four rules that help you make simple changes today. First, give every incoming dollar a job, so you aren't tempted to spend them on something outside the plan. Rule number two, plan for those bigger, less frequent expenses. Splitting them into monthly chunks ensures the cash is there for that annual premium or unexpected wedding anniversary. What you to spend on rule three keeps you flexible and on track, ensuring that you start the next month off right. And lastly, learn to live on last month's income. YNAB aims this month's cash at next month's expenses. So when bills roll in, you just pay them without last minute math or worry. And when you find out what that feels like, you'll understand why this is so revolutionary because it's not really about budgeting or money, it's about peace. Download YNAP for a free test drive today. Um, so they have apps for Android, iPhone, Windows Phone. Um, it's, uh, it's usually, I think, it's 60 divided by 12, whatever that is. Six bucks a month or something. Five, Five bucks a month. But for being a college student, if you have an email with a .edu, I think you get free copy of it. So it's free. Um, so go check it out, ynab.com. Um, the thing I like about it is uh, as soon as you get out of the pay cycle or paycheck to paycheck cycle, and what I mean by that is you get paid on the, the 1st and the 15th, and by the 28th, 29th, 30th of the month, you have literally nothing in your account. So living on next month's income means kind of building up. So if you guys look at your budget sheet, if your total budget for the month costs a thousand or fifteen hundred or two thousand, whatever it may be, you have that much saved in your savings account so that you're spending money out of your savings instead of hoping in your paycheck to come in and pay for it. And once you get out of that cycle, it is really freeing. And uh, you've experienced the, the freedom.
fruit of that. I think it also allows you to um, to be able to be more generous as well. So, um, okay, now we're gonna change to 10 minutes of Q&A. Um, the three questions I get the most are, how do you think about giving as a, recent, as a recent college graduate with debt? How should I think about giving? Do I give 10%? How do I support missionaries? Um, supporting other people in ministries? And the third question is, can Christians buy things and enjoy them um, <laughs> when there are hundreds of ways to give or thousands in need? Are there any other questions that you guys might have that we could take some time? Uh, maybe build some context on retirement funds. Yeah. So, retirement funds. Cool. Kind of, I don't know. Is there anything biblical or perspective? Yeah. Okay, cool. We can answer that. What, what other kind of questions do you guys have? <clears throat> How do you prioritize who to give to? Like, yeah. everybody's asking you for money? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, how about I start tackle those? How do I think about giving as a recent recent college graduate with debt? I think it's easy. No matter if you graduate with zero dollars of debt or six figures of debt, I think whatever you're earning, you should be giving or tithing off of what you're earning. So if you earn $10 an hour or if you earn $30 an hour, I think you should give a portion of that to the Lord. And you can think about the, the seven levels of giving and think about, okay, if you're at not giving at all or kind of sporadic, what would, what would it mean for you to become a regular giver? What would it mean for you to, to become a 5% giver or a 10% giver or a generous giver? Um, I think, you know, you want to be, be able to afford to live somewhere. So if living in a less nice place means that you can be more generous in giving or tithing to your church, I think that's a potentially a good, a good choice to make. Um, I think there's different schools of thought in how to knock out your debt. I've had people literally eat ramen for a year and pay off forty or fifty thousand dollars of debt and cram like eight people into a one bedroom apartment. I've seen that happen, and you know makes your rent like a hundred dollars a month or something crazy like that, and they're able to, to pay off their debt faster. That's one way to do it. I don't I don't recommend that to anyone. I don't recommend that to anyone. But if that's what you want to do, you can. I think most people graduate with some type of student loan debt. And they put you on the standard payment plan, which is usually the 10-year plan. I don't think you want to do the standard. I think you at least want to kind of move down to like the, the five-year, the, the graduated plan, so to speak. So that's what Katie and I did. We graduated with combined around $40,000 of debt. And after five years, we were student debt-free. So it's uh, just small chunks. We lived in a – so the way we did that is we had one car. We sold our car that had more expenses, um, my car, and we – we lived in one car, so that meant I biked to where I worked. I took the bus. Um, we would share cars, or, or it just it took more planning to, to live on one car. Uh, we lived in a 500 square foot apartment for three years of marriage. Um, it was tiny and cramped, and it was also sweet because we were living with international students at the U of M and just had great ministry opportunity. So, you know, you kind of have to do whatever um, whatever situation you're in. Um, so that's how I think about it. How should I think about giving? Do I give 10%? Do I give to missionaries? How do I support people? Um, so I think look at the levels of giving, the seven levels. See where you're at and try to move up a couple levels. In general, we're, in, we're under new covenant giving, so 10% was just the starting place. So I think about that as the training wheels. Um, to me, that getting to a point of giving at least 10% to whatever church you're connected to and then supporting missionaries or staff people above and beyond that that's just my personal conviction so i want to be a cheerful giver not a reluctant or ungrateful giver and to me when i think about um the 800 or so places the bible talks about money when i think about what it means to be a cheerful giver when i think about investing in the the community that god's placed me my first fruits are going to go to the lord through the through the church and above and beyond, I'm going to support people. So Katie and I, we support a couple of Camp Star staff people. We support um, a local Bethlehem missionary in Africa. Uh, we support a child in the Dominican Republic. Those are the, the four areas we give. Now, we get lots of requests to support people. And if we're able to save money in different budget areas, we support people on summer projects. Um, sometimes we get extra money from different different places. That's, that's kind of the money we use for, for supporting people. So... I think you could 
support 10 people at like $10 a month, or you could support a couple people at, you know, 50 or 100 or $200 a month. I think in general, it's probably more helpful to, to support fewer people um, because it helps them more. You're able to be more relationally connected to those people then and really invest in them. So we, so I think we support four, four things right now um, outside of the church. And that's, that's kind of our, our limits. Questions on that to help you? Well, I mean, like, how do, so you just decided to not pick everything and just give more to what? First Fruits to Bethlehem, that's, that's where we go to church. Um, we're relationally connected to, to Charlie, uh, Charlie Shu and Lucas Cheka. I led them in a D group when they were in school. So in mm-hmm. some ways, I feel like I'm extending my, my influence yeah. over them. And I'm just more relationally connected to them than mm-hmm. other people that have asked me. Um, we were moved going to a concert to think about these kids that don't have clean water and um, we love children and that was a, that was an easy place for us to, to invest and um, we had a heart for the, uh, the nations and this, this family who's going to, to Africa is uh, ministering to unreached people group and that's, that's exciting for us. So I think it's a personal conviction. I don't think there's a right answer. Like if 10 people ask you, I couldn't tell you which, yeah. which people to, to respond. But I think it's that before the Lord, you pray and seek wisdom from, from friends and go from there. Um, how can Christians buy things and enjoy them? When there are hundreds of ways to give or thousands of need. So how can I buy an iPhone or whatever it may be for you, um, a ticket to your favorite concert or um, a car, whatever it may be, and enjoy the things? So Joe Rigney, uh, City's Church pastor, he wrote this book called The Things of Earth. And, um, you know, I think the whole idea of Christian hedonism, this is like Pastor John Piper's main main doctrine. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So if that's true, how do we, what do we think about creation? Well, I think of the creation as God is the creator and we are uh, what he created. He intended for good and for our enjoyment. So why is it that sometimes we feel this pressure to not enjoy things? Why is it that instead of um, making material things idols, why, why can't we make those things and enjoy how God intended them for us? So I, I think the short answer for how we can enjoy um, the things of this earth are honor the giver by enjoying the gifts. Honor the giver by enjoying the gifts. And asking God not to make the gifts what you worship, but worshiping the creator who gave them to you. So I think this is where like having community in your life, having people like literally look at your checkbook, look at your look at how you're investing your time and your resources and your talents and your treasures. I think doing it in community is really helpful. Um, I think also like putting yourself in places where there's need. So one reason we like living in our neighborhood is every day when I come home, like there's someone on the corner with a sign, and I see poverty every single day that I that I go to work. And when I think about like the next thing or the next upgrade or the next whatever, like it's easy for me to think about having in so much, where, where can I invest my, my time? That's probably my most prized asset right now is my time. Where can I invest the money that God's entrusted to me? So those, that's how I think about that. So check out Joe Wrigley's book, The Things of Earth. I think retirement, the way I think about retirement is um, uh, you're, you're saving money um, so that you can live generously in the future. And I think some people think about retirement as they work until they're 65, I think it's 67 now in the US, they kind of bumped it up a little bit, um, so that they can live comfortably. So for a lot of people that means like going to Florida, living on the beach, and kind of just kicking back and you know drinking margaritas or whatever. I don't think about like when I reach retirement age, I just think of that as I no longer need to work a 40 hour job to afford to live. I hope that I'm setting myself up through some type of retirement plan or saving money now, so that when when I retire, I don't need the money for my for my primary forty hour a week job to live and make meet, meet the needs of my family. But I'm able to instead spend that time like investing in some other means, whether that's volunteering at the church or getting involved in a ministry or doing ministry without having to to think about the financial aspect. Like that's that's how I think about. Retirement. When I think about retirement, I think of like living expenses, 
Um, I dream about being able to fund my children through two years of college. So Minnesota, PSEO, you can go to school for two years for free. I'm going to encourage that for my two boys. And then I'd love to pay for two years of school at an in-state school, so like U of M. So that's why I'm starting to, to dream and starting to fund. Um, so we save some money every month for, for our two boys right now. And uh, I'd love to be able to help them with a down payment on their first house. So those are my big financial goals when I think about retirement or my future. Maybe you guys have some time for that. Any other questions? Yeah. I was just going to make a quick comment, actually. On money, I think when you start to like make money and stuff like that, and you start to look at your debt load. Um, in Malachi chapter 3, actually, verse 10, God does something that he does only once in the Bible. He actually says, um, I'm challenging you to challenge me on giving. And if you give to me, I will bless you. It's the only time that he actually calls us to test him and see how faithful he'll be in return to us. So I would invite that. And the other thing, like with tithing, um, the ten percent it comes back to the Torah. Actually, like, that's a Torah view. Um, and then what Jesus said, or what the idea was like, is like you tie the first ten percent, and everything on top of that we consider an offering. And where Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees and these people that were kind of these people that are giving to the temple, they were giving their offerings, but then they were saying, "Look at how much I'm giving." And so he was having more of a problem with the heart and stuff like that. But uh, I think it's interesting, like the idea of like giving back. It's the only time that God calls us to test it. Is when it comes to our money and see what it'll do with it. So, if you guys want to check out Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, um, it's kind of interesting what goes on. It's the only time that I really does it. So. Sweet. Um, any last last questions? Kind of getting close on our time. Well, again, I'm available if you guys ever want to talk more in depth or have a personal question. Um, I'd love to meet with you before or after TCB or some other time. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at cominneapolis.org.